Welcome to the Maximus Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cam Sapa. As a clinical psychologist, medical school professor, and CEO, I specialize in helping men be better in mind, body, and masculinity. On this podcast, I interview extraordinary men as a clinician would, hearing their come up stories of how they became the men that they are today, and having them share their secrets of actionable advice on how to look, feel, and perform your best. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Maximus uh, podcast. We are doing our second segment with Josh Hatcher on actionable advice. I had a great conversation in part one with Josh about the making of the man and the kind of story of his life. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about kind of, um, you know, uh, some actionable advice and, and lessons learned. Um, so I know you do a lot of work around uh, masculinity and men, and you have your, your manlyhood uh, flags in the back. Tell us a little bit about how you got into that work. So there was, honestly, a lot of that was born kind of out of my own struggle to understand it for myself. And it still is, honestly. Sometimes I'm working through things and I'm like, all right, so if I've got to go through this, I can help somebody else go through it with me. I know we talked earlier about that idea that my pain mm -hmm. has a purpose. So that's a lot of it. Um, but I also just, I, I, I have done a lot of work with youth and young people and watching these young men grow up into adulthood. And, you know, I actually was like a youth pastor mm -hmm. at a church for a while. And these, these boys were becoming men and then they were getting arrested for child porn or drugs or o overdosing and dying. And, you know, I mean, I, like so many, I, I lost so many of those kids to horrible mm -hmm. situations, whether they either, like I said, just all these things happened. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, like, like I invested so much into these kids. And when I, when I look back, I, I really recognize and understand that the ones that had the hardest time were the ones that had no real active father mm -hmm. figure or mentoring right. in their life. And so that was kind of what started the drive for, for, for starting it. It honestly has, has become, you know, the men I help aren't just men who need a father, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, uh, the men that need mm -hmm. a brother, you know, and like I said, it helps me mm -hmm. too. You know, that's, you know, people, anytime that I, that I create something, a lot of times it's what I need mm -hmm. to hear, you know, it's, it's what I'm researching and learning for myself and trying to put into practice and, and seeing work and fail and come together. And, um, you know, and, and that process and that journey for me, and I'm sharing it and, and honestly just trying to kind of build that, that community out of it. And, and it's, it's been a really interesting journey, but that's, that's where it started was just with that goal of, you know, and, and looking at the men's space at the time, because I've been doing this for a yeah. long time. Um, and looking at the men's space at the time, there was men's health journal and there was Maxim mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'll be honest, if you pick up their advice yeah. columns, dude, that is not an example of right, a good man. Right. It really isn't. You know, it's like, it's just cosmopolitan for men. Yeah. And the people that are guiding that, the people that are giving you advice, that's not helping you be a better man. That's just helping you get more notches on your belt, you know, or helping you look better when you walk down the street, you know, like we needed to get deeper than that and get real with that and start talking about things like purpose and value and missions and, you know, the things mm -hmm. that matter. And, and that's, that's kind of, I think what propelled it. I wanted to make sure to offer something 
and start having conversations that I felt men were not having. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, your point about your, the lesson that you learned about, you know, a lot of the problematic behavior stemmed from sort of a lack of father figures, whether they're physically present or emotionally, quite frankly, present in people's lives. Um, You know, it's, it's something that I think America is waking up to. Um, I think that's quite frankly why Jordan Peterson is so popular right now is he plays sort of the wise father figure for so many people. Um, and, and I have a very parallel journey. Like I, I think the archetype that I try to play for other people is kind of a brother figure uh, for folks because, you know, and obviously the, the uh, counseling role that I play as a psychologist, you know, we very much do that one-on-one. But, you know, I can't see more than a double a dozen people a week. And, and, you know, being able to use these sort of social media and other forums allows you to reach you know, and play that role, uh, in a much wider, wider figure. Um, so I, I love to, uh, hear a little bit about how you, you've been sort of spreading your message. I know you wrote a book called Manlyhood, the 12 pillars of masculinity. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what some of the most important pillars are? Yeah, the first pillar, and honestly, this is the most important pillar. And I think that that everything else hangs and falls on it. And that's personal responsibility. Mm. Um, I think that, and, you know, as I was writing the book, a lot of it was coming out of, it actually started as blog posts, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, I, I think I could put these together and actually make it a book. And so I actually just put them together and made a book. And then I, I, I read, and I published it and I read the book and I'm like, boy, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it offline and I called my buddy and I'm like, can you help me edit this? Can, and he, he, he actually went through and he's like, ah, mm-hmm. we can fix this. And, and kind of helped me bring it together and uh, and make a little more sense out of it. And um, but that first that first pillar of personal responsibility, like um, I, I think of my son's Boy Scout leader who used to say all the time, "If it is to be, it's up to mm. me." And you know, I as a kid, I didn't get this, and I remember my dad saying it all the time: "You have to take responsibility right. for your actions. You can't blame everybody else all the time." You know, and. I hear it all the time. It took forever. And honestly, I still struggle with it sometimes, you know, like, you know, if you look around, you can always find a reason Mm -hmm. why it's somebody else's fault. You know, you can even find a reason Mm -hmm. why it's your fault. You know, the blame game has Mm -hmm. no winner. There is no winner in the blame game. And so if you're trying to find fault, then all you do is you're just placing blame. That just says, it's your fault we're in this mess. It's my fault we're in this mess. That does not get anybody mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Responsibility says, this is that. so my dad would say that. And then my mother would say, I remember her saying all the time, I don't care who made the mess, somebody <laughs> yeah, clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's where responsibility says, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. I'm going to be the one mm-hmm. to make it right. I'm going to be the one to put in the work to take care of this problem or make sure that the problem is taken care of, you know, because sometimes leadership is delegation, but I'm going to be the one to take responsibility for making Mm -hmm. sure it's done and done right. And, um, and that's, you know, the first, the first pillar, other pillars that I think are important are uh, the concept of, of covenant or commitment, Mm. you know, that when you, when you make a promise, you keep it. Um, Uh, By the way, I think that one is really fascinating because even when someone takes personal responsibility, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm not blaming anyone. It's my fault. This is the way my life is not ideal. Um, they often far, fall short on the covenant piece that you're talking about. Like they don't make the commitment to change it because they're like, I, I don't know, I'm trying, it's not really working or I, I have a lot of 
uh, other conflicting reasons. So um, can you talk about how, how does one develop commitment or when they say they're going to do something, they follow through on their word? So I'll be honest with you. So there are areas of my life that I do a great mm-hmm. job with this on. <laughs> there are areas of my life that I don't do sure, a great that's job. That's true with of all of them. And, 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 you know, and I think that that's important. So I know that this is a pillar of masculinity, but there are times when there are going to be people who are going to look at my life and they're going to people who, who are waiting for me to finish things. I said that I would do, <laughs> you know, and they're going to say, what kind of man are you? You talk about this and you're not doing it. You know? And then there are other people who, who would look at me and say, man, when he said he was going to be there, he mm-hmm. was, you know? Um, and so I would say that really, we need to strive for it in every area of our life because another pillar is integrity, which I'll talk yeah. about in a minute, but um, we strive for it. We shoot for it. And and so, you know, looking at my life and I know that covenant that, that making that. So I would say with my marriage, that's a good example of a place where I've said, we're going to stick this out mm-hmm. no matter what the D word is not in our vocabulary. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, it, we'd rather be miserable and make it work than, to be miserable and not make it work, (laughs) you know, we're going to stick it out and we're in this till death, you know? And, um, the things that I'm learning about the other areas where I'm not as successful in this are, um, like I'm recognizing that we all have those barriers that we Mm -hmm. have to overcome that hold us back. Those excuses that we latch onto. And for me, like, I hate pain. I Mm. hate pain. I do not like it. And I'm, I'm, this is actually a fairly recent revelation for me where I'm recognizing and understanding that I do fine until mm-hmm. it hurts. And when it hurts, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm out, you know, I'm out, I'm done. I don't need to, I don't need to feel that. I'm not doing that. And so, but that's not commitment. Yeah. That doesn't win. Right. That doesn't succeed. And that's not manly. So that's an area of my life that I'm learning and trying to work through because you know, like, and I can think of, I can think of a dozen places in my life that I struggle mm-hmm. with that right now, to yeah. be honest with you. You know, I mean, if I compare it, you know, like if I give myself, I think I'm pretty good at assessing myself. My wife thinks I'm a little generous <laughs> in assessing myself, but I'm going to give myself like an 85. So I'm yeah. at least a B, you know, <laughs> yeah, more, but, more, um, more than most people, to be honest. Um, and, and, and maybe the answer <laughs> to the question is the, you know, you, the covenant starts with just accepting actually the fundamental premise that you know, your word is bond. Right. And I think people understand that when it comes to other people, right. That like, generally, if you tell, you make a promise to someone, you should keep it. And I think most people probably try to do that. But the funny thing is we don't apply that to ourselves, right? Like when you tell yourself you're going to do something, but maybe it's because we don't speak it out loud and there's no one watching. There's no one checking up on you, obviously, when you're an adult for the most part, especially if you're a man, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of in the deep end of the pool by yourself for the, for the most part, maybe other than your family. Um, you know, it's like if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, it's kind of like being a man, uh, is the analogy that I make. Um, but I think, um, covenant changes when you are, when you, when you say, you know what, I'm going to act as if everyone was watching, you know? Um, cause at least I, th- I think you're, um, the parts of you are watching. If you believe in a soul or a spirit, you could say that's watching. Right. And I, I really do think people underestimate the harm that they do to themselves when they don't follow through on their work. Right. We know this, in fact, from an analogous field, which is like guilt. Right. Like if you cheat um, and even if no one else finds out, people carry guilt. Right. Because if you have you're not a psychopath, which is really rare. 
um, you have a conscience and you, you end up punishing yourself even when you get away with it by knowing that you did something wrong and you carry that guilt and, and literally you can measure it, right? Your cortisol levels or other stress levels, you carry it around. I think it's the same thing when you don't follow through on your commitments. Um, even if no one else notices or there's no huge consequence to that, at least immediately, there's always a consequence eventually, especially when it comes to things like health. Um, uh, I, do, I do think we suffer a little bit. So I think part of what you can do is just like, I actually encourage uh, my clients to write down their commitments, even if it's a little thing, like, what am I going to do this afternoon? Write it down. Like, that's a part of a system I have called the Keystone Habit. You spend four minutes writing what you're going to write, do for the next four hours. Um, whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be super ambitious, but just make a plan. And, and then at the end of the four hours, you go back and say, did I do what I said I was going to do? If, if what, if not, let's analyze why, if you did, let's, you know, support or, or reinforce the, the things that you did right. And then let's iterate and, and do it again for the next four hours. But it can actually be very life-changing because people don't sit there and they, they don't realize like, you know, that they don't oftentimes, first of all, people don't make commitments in the first place when they, especially when they come home, uh, after a long evening at work, you know, they're just like. I don't know, maybe I need dinner, maybe I'm gonna spend time with my family, but I have no plan, right? Sometimes that makes sense. Maybe maybe if you have a family, the plan takes care of itself in terms of you have uh, uh, innate responsibilities that you have to take care of. A lot of people, I think, if they're coming home, particularly alone, they make no plan and their evening gets frittered away. And so it is life-changing when you come up with something, anything that you, you, you say you're gonna do and then you check because now you have a written record of it, whether you did it or not. It's interesting that you talk about that in a four hour block there, that, that macro or yeah. micro uh, version of it. Cause like I, I actually had like, I'm going to say, I don't remember what year it was. It was, it was a couple years ago. I actually had like this massive change in my life where I, I just said like, I wrote some goals <laughs> for myself. I'm like, I'm going to do these things that I've always wanted to do. So I actually, I took one year, it started in June. It was on, on mm -hmm. D day. And I, I wrote down some goals and mm. big goals. And uh, one of those was I was going to lose 100 pounds in a year. I was going to write, I think I, I, think I said I was going to write, publish, and release five mm. books. Like I had a, a big long list of goals. And, and over the course of that year, there were a couple things I might not have achieved because I realized this isn't on, that's the thing with goals is like you find, you adjust them as you go and you realize this is a little unrealistic. We can tweak that mm -hmm. and that's okay. You give yourself that permission. But you know, I did, I lost, I, I, I started that year, dude, at 420 wow. pounds. I ended that year at 320 pounds on the, on one year to the day mm -hmm. on D day, one year later. Um, and I, I published, I think six books actually Amazing. that year. Um, and uh, there's lots of awesome and amazing other things that mm -hmm. I did as well. A few things that I, that I didn't do that year. And it was While awesome. having four kids, no less. But, yeah. And they were all at home amazing. at that time yeah. too. Um, but in, and in that time frame, I also lost mm. my father. Um, you know, he got sick and, you know, there was, so there was a whole lot going on there that happened, you know, so there was some grief. There was all kinds of things that happened. I also had some health problems as a result of <laughs> they start, they started to rear their ugly head. The health problems were hemorrhoids. So it's funny that I used the word rear their <laughs> ugly head. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I have no shame. You know, I I've, I've given up shame, but um, the uh, I gave up shame for Lent. It's not Lent, but <laughs> anyway, I, um, 
the you know i was eating keto and not eating uh, enough fiber and so uh, dude like i already had a problem and it was accentuated so so all of that just like i hit the end of that year after like it was a hard year and it was like this is awesome i'm gonna take a little break before i make another set of <laughs> set of goals you know like I, I ran that year like a marathon and then you know what is like like i have slacked off a little yeah. bit since then and again i've had some things you know not excuses, but sure, I've had sure. issues that have where you're like, okay, I can't do this because mm-hmm. of that. You know, things happen, but then you let that thing become yeah. an excuse, you know? So I haven't gained back all of that weight, but I've gained back a big enough chunk that mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I, I also have gotten out of habit of a few things and, and dude, c- c- the, the whole COVID That's, year, yeah. man, like, like all of the mental disciplines that I had built to get me mm-hmm. through that year. Um, you know, I hit the, I hit June. So that would be six months after mm-hmm. my dad died. Then I actually started yeah. grieving. <laughs> so, you know, then after, from that point on, man, like, like I lost all my mental disciplines and then COVID hit. And I, I, that 2020 was a yeah. wreck for me. It was a real wreck for me. And so looking back, I'm like, like I will say there were things that I was good at that I, that I succeeded in and I can, I can take some wins on my overall tally sheet, you know, but, but dude, I had a lot of losses yeah. in 2020 in the way that I handled things and the way that I processed things in the way that I let things go because I didn't take the time. But, but the, some of the lessons that I learned, I think through that is like setting a goal and even accomplishing a goal isn't really as important as actual transformation. Mm right like like the what what the year of success proved to me is that i'm capable of it there are things i can do that i didn't know that i could do and i need to do those things then uh you know six months of grief and and hemorrhoid problems and surgery and recovery from that and then um a year of just insanity and laziness have taught me that if I do not practice discipline, that's what tra- where transformation happens. Because like, like you know, keeping a goal takes discipline, and that's important. But it has to be more than just okay. I did that. Now mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and so that's some of the things that I'm learning right. and working through right now. And I, I tell you that story because you mm-hmm. you bring that up, and I'm like. I'm, I'm seeing that whole, that, that whole kind of thing yeah. play out. You know, we're talking about that, that covenant and that, and what that looks like, dude, like, like I, um, I told myself I would never go back and I went yeah. back on that, you know, and that's not good. So, you know, and you pay the price for that. Yeah. And I'm telling you, dude, like, like it sucks because I, I you know, and I, some of your guys that are watching mm-hmm. might be like, what does he know about anything? He was this fat guy telling me anything about being healthy. Dude, yeah. I know because I know what it, I know. I'm going to tell you right now that if you're yeah. not healthy, it costs sure. you. Being overweight is yeah. painful. It physically hurts right. like hell. Don't yeah. do it. Do not do it. It is not worth it. Like, mm, get it under control because it's harder to lose it than it is yeah, to gain. For sure, absolutely. You know? Yeah, health is very easy to undo, very hard to gain back. Uh, as I uh, unfortunately have learned working with all kinds of people inpatient and outpatient 
Um, I think that's also true of your mental health, unfortunately, as well. It's much, it's much easier mm. to try to like, you know, just maintain. It's actually not that hard, I actually think, to mm. maintain mental health. It's very hard to gain it back when, when you're in a bad state. Uh, and there's physiological even reasons for that. Um, but I appreciate yeah. your sharing your successes and your failures. I think that honestly increases your credibility, you know, and, and that's true for all of us. Like, you know, the, the reality, especially with weight loss, because I spent a decade actually of my career kind of focusing on obesity and diabetes, you know, like the, the overwhelming majority of people actually who lose weight, gain it all back. If you follow them long enough, right. Over the course of like 10 years plus, um, however, the, the, right. the, the, so that's the bad news. It's really hard to maintain weight loss. The good news is that's on average, right? And this is what I call the error of the average, right? You look at the average, you're going to be very disheartened. Then the conclusion you'd make is weight loss programs don't work actually, right? And that's true on a population level. However, on an individual level, you don't care about the average. You care about the exception and you can be the exception. In fact, there's a whole directory. I think it's like the national weight loss control directory, something like that, where it's, it's a literally a directory of people who've lost like I think 10% or more of their body weight and I've kept it off for 10 years. And I think, I don't know, it's probably like over 10,000 people in it, if I recall correctly. So that's, I think that is uh, uh, heartwarming and optimistic that like it, you can always defy any, any average. So I'd love for you to share that story um, with our follower base. Um, you know, regardless of where people are starting at, I do think it takes a lot of discipline to be able to lose a hundred pounds in a year. Um, so can you talk to us about your weight loss journey and what were the things that, that worked for you? What were the things that didn't work for you? Yeah. So I would say this, if you're on that upper end of things, mm -hmm. right. For me, I used a, a ketogenic yep. diet. Uh, I ate dirty and lazy mm -hmm. keto, um, which works. Mm -hmm. It works. It will yep. help you lose and weight. What do you mean and by, by dirty keto for the... So, so dirty or lazy keto. Um, so like, uh, lazy keto doesn't necessarily count all of the mm. macros, you know, you, you basically, uh, keep it under 20 grams of yeah. carbs a day, net carbs a day, um, and eat whatever you want. So, so I, I lost that hundred pounds, mostly eating, um, you know, cheese and pepperoni mm -hmm. and, bacon and eggs, you know, and, uh, and things like that. And, and most, some of those yeah. things are good, but what I didn't do is I didn't have yeah. enough fiber. And so like, like I talked about that earlier, like that, that wrecked my guts, mm -hmm. dude. And so I already had a problem and I had been to the doctor and the doctor said, I can't even do a hemorrhoid surgery on you because the equipment that we have can't hold wow. you. Yeah. So if we're going to do a hemorrhoid surgery, we have to send you uh, two hours away to a hospital. And I'm like, I don't want to do that right now, you know, because that's going to be a two hour drive back wide awake. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I kind of put that off and, and, and went through and lost that weight. And, and I would say, you know what? A ketogenic diet mm -hmm. will work. It'll, you'll lose weight, but if you want to do it right, you've got to do it healthy and you've got to take the time to make sure that you get your green leafy vegetables. And you, if you don't like them, then take some supplementary fiber. You know, you can, you can get fiber that doesn't have sugar in it, you know, and, and take that to help kind of keep things moving because if not, it's going to, it's going to shred you and not like the good shredding, like the bad shredding on the inside. And, um, and dude, so when I went back to the doctor, you know, I, I hit, I went back and I'm like, Hey, I've lost a hundred pounds. I think I, your weight, your machinery can hold me now. And he's like, it can. 
and he went in and he did the surgery and I had to kind of change my, my diet because I needed to eat differently after that. Um, and, and that was the first thing is cause, cause what I was doing was working for me losing weight. And if I went off plan at all, if I changed what I was eating at all, I would start Mm -hmm. gaining again, you know? And so, um, that was a struggle at first. Um, and, and, and so I really had to kind of work on that, but that dude, that surgery was, it was bad. It was the worst pain I'd ever experienced. And he told me that that was the worst case of hemorrhoids he'd ever worked on. So he said the scar tissue was bad. He said, there's actually some stuff that's still, you know, in there that might still bother you, but it's not going to bother you as bad as it did. And I remember it was right before Thanksgiving. And so I'm here. I am. I have to eat a certain way afterwards. And I'm like, it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to just splurge just a little bit. And I splurged literally just a little tiny bit off of this doctor's plan, a tiny bit. And that night, dude, I'm like, it was like somebody took a, a freight train and tried to run it through a, a, a plastic yeah. straw, man. And I thought I was going to die. And I remember like, I have this buddy, you know, I, I live in community sure. with men and I've got these guys in my life that we, we communicate, you know, we're close. And I'm like, dude, I think I popped. He's like, a, he's a nurse, you know? And so right, he knew, right, he's right. seen everything and like, I don't want to call my doctor, it, it, you know? So I messaged my buddy. I'm like, I think I popped a stitch. <laughs> he's like, how do you know? <laughs> I know this is too much information. Like half of your listeners, are like, I'm, done. I'm out. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was, it was a really hard and rough experience. And I tell that story honestly as a warning yeah. sign, because if, if you are going to do a ketogenic diet, dude, like people will try to tell you, I still yeah. believe in keto. I still do. I, people will try to tell you, Oh, it's bad for your heart. It's bad for your cholesterol. Look, fat sure. is not bad for you. Fat is not bad for you. And if you eat a high fat, moderate protein and low carb diet. And if you are morbidly obese, you will lose weight. Um, and the other thing that I coupled with that, and this is something that I, uh, that I actually think was, was also huge because it like amplified Mm -hmm. it was to, uh, I I would do intermittent fasting three days a week. So what I would do is I would stop eating at about eight Mm -hmm. o'clock at night, seven or eight o'clock at night after dinner time. And then I would wait until uh, either one o'clock was, was my lunch mm-hmm. break at work or I'd wait till like three o'clock, depending on how I was doing. Like if I could go till yeah. three, I would. But what I had to do is I had to eat before yeah. I came home because if I went home I w- and I hadn't eaten anything, I would be really mean and grumpy. And my wife was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Key part of the ketogenic um, diet. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You've got to eat something if you're going to do intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting works for, you know, for any kind of diet, it can help amplify it. Um, you know, you basically have an eating window where you're eating in your window. And then when you're, when you're in, your not eating window, you're fasting. And if you time it right, most of that time you're sleeping, you know, um, I know everybody's like, Oh, breakfast is the best meal of the day. And it, it is, but if you do this right, you're just eating your breakfast later. Okay. You know, and um, I would drink either black coffee or bulletproof mm-hmm. coffee, um, you know, with some some butter and, and coconut oil blended up. Sometimes a little bit of cinnamon yeah. to give it a little flavor. Sometimes a scoop of cocoa just to give it a little bit of flavor. Um, maybe a little bit. Sometimes I put a little bit of stevia in it just because. Um, so, like, I can drink black coffee yeah. all day long. But if I put the, the yeah. other stuff in it. And it wasn't sweet. It just was a little Fair too enough. oily for me. So I put like a little bit of stevia to give it a little bit of sweetness. Um, and I just, I drink that and drink a lot of water. 
and and that got me through. Yeah. So, so that was my weight mm-hmm. loss journey that started got things going, and I was doing really good. Then, like I said, I hit that uh, after that surgery. I had to start sure, eating yeah. differently, and and in that process, I I got out of the habits yeah. that were working. You know, and and again, when I say things were working, they worked to lose weight, but they weren't necessarily right, healthy. Right. You know, because I wasn't doing keto the way you're, that I yeah. should do keto, and so I would say, like, if you're gonna do a ketogenic diet, you should do it where you're having, you know, uh, every meal you should have a, a either a low carb, uh, like low glycemic, like strawberries or blueberries or uh, or blackberries or something like that. Um, or a handful of spinach or heck you could throw a handful of spinach and a handful of frozen strawberries in the blender with a little bit of heavy cream and a little bit of stevia. And you've got a great smoothie. You don't even taste the spinach if you're like me and you don't really like it, you know? Um, but that would help your insides to be able to process what it needs. Um, but make that more the source so that you're not, you know, you're getting healthier things in you, you know? Yeah. And I, I think this um, is an important story to share because I, I think there are different um, ways of doing keto. Um, I, I don't know if there's an optimal way, but 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 just as a quick touch on the research literature, I, I do think the increasing consensus is that ketogenic diets are, are, are probably the most superior diet for weight loss and particularly for the treatment of diabetes, right? So if you have problems with blood sugar control, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously cutting carbohydrates, w- which gets uh, 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 absorbed into blood sugar, um, is probably the superior diet, right? And so there's there's companies like Verda Health, for instance, that uh, just do ketogenic diets for patients who have type two diabetes. And I developed the nutritional curriculum for Amada Health, which I would call a lower carb diet, um, not necessarily strict keto, mm-hmm. um, uh, but that also works, right? So so you know, Verda's version developed by Volek and Finney, they, they define keto as less than fifty grams of total carbs. I think the reason they do that instead of the mm-hmm. twenty net that you mentioned is because. Unfortunately, there's a lot of like these keto foods nowadays that uh, focus on net carbs, but they have a shit ton of, um, uh, excuse my language, but like these artificial fibers that, that aren't the ones in the blackberry, yeah. blackberries, raspberries, and strawberries that you mentioned. Um, yeah, sugar, just sugar alcohols and a bunch and... of stuff. And so they're, you know, are they keto? Technically, but they meet the requirements in the label if you're counting net carbs, but they're often also ultra processed and not that that great for you. But people look at it and they're like, oh, I'm on a keto diet. I need to buy keto foods. Some of them are actually good, but you have some of them, you got to read the label. Like for instance, a lot of the keto bars, I think because of how bars have to be manufactured, require a ton of those fake fibers and sugar alcohols in order Mm -hmm. to make them bind and taste decent, right? So you're getting, you know, like 30, 20 plus grams of carbs, but they're just not, you know, net carbs and you can't have too much sugar alcohols. That also ruins your GI system, right? You can tolerate a little bit of Mm erythriol, but... Any, any of those sugar alcohols, because they're not natural and the, the human microbiome doesn't really digest them the same way, uh, exceeds our tolerance. And then, you know, you literally just get gas and, and GI uh, sort of issues. So that, that's one thing. And the other thing, so by the way, I think I, I love that you mentioned the, the intermittent fasting. We actually had Dave Asprey, who invented Bulletproof Coffee and wrote the book Fast This Way recently. Um, so uh, mm. check out that episode if you want to dive deep into intermittent fasting. Yeah. Uh, and Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, and Dave's obviously a great resource for it. Um, but also, you know, we had JT on the show. We talked about how if you're particularly very active, you can even have more than 50 grams. So I think he consumes like 100 grams of, of carbs, but he's measured his blood ketones 
and he's still in ketosis. So the thing that we advocate is I, I, I kind of always tell people, uh, lower your carbs to the amount that you're willing to do and able to sustain long-term. Now you can do it Atkins style where you cut it to like, you know, the 20 to 50 range, like we're talking about, you do it temporarily while you're losing weight. And then you slowly reintroduce carbs back, uh, once you're at your goal weight to just maintain it. Right. And that's going to be different for everyone because Mm -hmm. everyone's carbohydrate tolerance, so to speak is different. Uh, like if you're really on the diabetes spectrum, you may not be able to get away with consuming many carbs. Some people process them, metabolize them decently well. Uh, and so they can consume more. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think you kind of have to like play around and find what works for you, but I think there is one key thing that I want to emphasize from what you said, which is the importance of fiber. Uh, carnivore diets are very hot right now. It's a, it's a type of keto where obviously you just consume meat. Um, it does work really well because, well, I mean, if you do that, you're oftentimes cutting out most of the ultra processed stuff. And then you're obviously cutting out carbs. Mm-hmm. So I'll be cutting, cutting excess, particularly refined carbs and ultra processed food. You're of course going to lose weight. The problem though, is, um, uh, I do think fiber is important. Like all of the hunter gatherer societies and ancestral societies, none of them actually eat keto very rare, right? Like maybe like extreme examples in the Arctic circle, Inuit, maybe eat close to keto, but everyone else consumes like, I don't know, 20% of their calories from carbohydrates. And a lot of that is just because of fiber. The importance of fiber, I think, is especially when you're consuming a high fat diet, even though fat is not bad for you, some people's cholesterol on keto, some people are fine. Some people are a little bit hyper responders, um, but we do know that fiber helps regulate your lipids. So if you want a particularly good lipid profile, even though there's a lot of debate about what's good in terms of LDL, HDL, uh, I think fiber is very helpful. So what I generally encourage to those folks is um, uh, I think the optimal diet, what I call hyper carnivorous, hyper carnivorous being greater than 70% of your calories come from animal-based products. And then 30% can be sort of plant-based. And there's variance. You know, I've seen some people do 50-50. Native Americans traditionally eat about 85% from animals. Um, If you're trying to follow sort of like a traditional template. But I really do think you need, you know, uh, some of that, maybe 30% uh, to come from plant-based stuff, which means fiber. Um, And I think it really does almost like um, counterbalance it. So sometimes I talk about this on social media. In my opinion, the optimal diet is almost like an alkaline ketogenic diet because uh, meat uh, and meat animal products are very acidic. Uh, and so uh, mm-hmm. consuming uh, plants that are particularly high, uh, sorry, low in what's called the PRAL score, it's the potential renal acid load. It's basically a score of how much uh, minerals or electrolytes come with your food, potassium, magnesium, calcium, um, uh, and so it, it helps sort of negate or counterbalance all the meat. So like an example of this is like baobab, which is an ancestral fruit in Africa. It's super high in fiber. It's like half fiber because it hasn't been genetically modified. Like, you know, like these giant strawberries that we eat nowadays that are farmed, uh, which, Mm -hmm. you know, wild strawberries, if you ever see them out in nature, are tiny. Baobab, they haven't messed with it for thousands of years. You're eating it just like it used to be. And so it's a very high fiber food. Uh, You can consume it with a lot of meat and it helps kind of balance things out. So that's one, I think it's a great tip you mentioned. Like if you you don't like... um, Green leafy vegetables are really good in terms of like the nutrient density. So if you like salads, great, have at it. I, I do encourage people to not go nuts with the spinach and kale. Like people who are having, because, you know, JT mentioned, I think he was having like three cups a day of spinach or kale and he actually developed kidney stones from the excessive amount of oxalates in it. So hmm. uh, have it, you know, a reasonable amount in moderation. But the other thing is like also, um, you know, vegetables aren't actually very ancestral. If you look at hunter-gatherers, they don't really eat vegetables. Uh, they eat uh, uh, berries and tubers. 
uh, that's the interesting thing, right? So you can get your fiber actually from from ancestral fruits and from tubers. Tubers being like uh, root based vegetables. Like think about like potatoes and uh, turnips and and things that are carrots, things that grow basically below the ground. Um, so you can get a lot of fiber even if you don't love vegetables from yeah fruits and tubers. Mm-hmm. Uh, fruits, roots, and shoots, I think what they, this is what they call them. So I I think this is what people have to experiment with. Right. Um, And I I don't think you need to love everything that you eat. You can't probably hate it. It's not going to be a sustainable diet. Um, But yeah, (laughs) uh, the the fiber, uh, you know, I think optimizing for for protein and fiber is like, will get you 80% of the way there. If you just make sure you have enough of those two nutrients in your diet, we always say like 0.82 grams of protein per pound of optimal body weight. Um, is amount of fiber, uh, sorry, protein that you should eat. And then it's unclear how much fiber we actually need. I think the, the U S uh, RDI is like 20 to 30 grams of fiber. Uh, but you know, the Hadza, uh, who consume Baobab, they're consuming like hundred to 150 grams a day. And, and I don't think any of them are like less than 1% of them have diabetes. You probably can't take on too much fiber at once. It does cause gas if your microbiome, as you mentioned, hasn't built up. So I always tell people when you're consuming fiber, whether from natural even and supplemental sources, you gotta, you gotta work your way up. Your body has to get used to consuming that much fiber. I think I probably consume like 50 grams actually a day, which is pretty high from the Baobab and other things. And, and actually don't eat that many vegetables. I'll have a salad every once in a while. Um, but I've learned that through trial and error and also from reading literature, kind of piecing together kind of things. So I, I think what I take away from, from you and also from kind of the, the experience that I have clinically and working with patients is, um, don't follow things as like strict rules of thumb. I think they're guidelines and, but you have to kind of adjust them uh, to kind of do what fits you in your life. Yeah. I think that's what I have experienced as well Is like, if it's sustainable, I can do it. If it's, you know, if I'm always, I'm realizing and understanding how much of this is in here, how much of this is in my mind, you know, where like, if I start thinking about ice cream, (laughs) or pizza and how I can't have it. That's all right. I'm going to think about, you know? And so, so I'm working through a lot of that stuff too, because I'm also recognizing and understanding, like I said, I mentioned earlier, the whole yeah. pain thing, you know? And so the, the momentum that it takes to add exercise to this is very difficult when you're starting at sure. a deficit in the pain, you know? And so, so I kind of keep hitting, I keep cycling into that place where I'm like, I need to get moving. I need to get lifting. I need to get walking, you know, and, and I need to, to do these things. It hurts. And so, you know, I figure if, if I'm going to walk for half an hour, the first five minutes hurts and I'm good till the last five minutes and it hurts again, <laughs> you know, and if I can, and so I'm learning how to push through that and I'm, and what I'm recognizing, and I guess this is one of those revelations I've had recently is how much like. I think my whole life I have just basically just shuffled mm-hmm. pain around to different places of yep. my life, <laughs> you know? And, and so like, like it's, it's not just a physical thing. Like it's, a, there's a metaphysical mm-hmm. thing, you know, where it's like, um, so, so I know that's the stuff that I've been working through right now and recognizing like, like, okay, I know that I am capable of putting in the hard work mm-hmm. to lose weight. Uh, to quote my friend, Nick Maytash, um, I have to now do the hard work so that I can mm-hmm. do the hard work because there is some, some, some things in here that are messed up that have me thinking that the ultimate goal is yeah. pain avoidance. And, 
as a result, I'm not doing some of the hard things I need to do because I don't want to do yeah. them because they hurt. And so I'm, I'm processing that. I, um, and, and that's, that's part of the challenge. Um, you know, and, and not to, you know, we were talking about the nutrition end of things, man, you know, like, uh, we did, uh, paleo mm-hmm. and whole 30 for a little while at different points. Um, I'm going to tell you, dude, like if anybody is in a place where they're like, my life is a wreck, my nutrition is a wreck, and I don't know where to start. I would tell them, like, like, and like, I can't stop eating yeah. bad foods. Like, if it's a mental thing, it, like, I would always recommend the concept of a whole thirty, where you're taking thirty days, you take one month, and you eat nothing but whole foods. Like for me, which and that's basically like a modified yeah. paleo, you know. But for me, like it, that was that was actually the first thing that happened, kind of before I did that year. And it helped me to definitely change my mind yeah. about food um, because it, I, you know, I was, I was down in, you know, pizza and candy bars and non-diet sodas every day, you know, and like, like to take 30 days and not have any of that and only eat certain kinds of foods. And then the foods that I was eating were mm-hmm. good for me. Like it actually changed my mind in so many ways. Like I actually hated black coffee before that and now i actually prefer it like it actually changed that in my in my tastes in doing that so if anybody's at that place where like i just can't stop eating this bad food like i would highly recommend doing that because it helps change your relationship with food and i I think Um, it's a good point i hear that all the time by the way about sweetness right like I, i i do the same thing i don't i don't eat um sweetened things with the exception of maybe like some chocolate every now and then other than like you know natural fruits but yeah i can't tolerate like artificially sweetened stuff now because it's like you know a coke has i don't know what 60 grams of sugar and it's like it's it's disgustingly sweet to me now so you know your 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 uh, equilibrium almost like goes back to what i would argue is normal right and everyone else is like their tolerance for mm-hmm. you know sweet things is, is so sky high because of the ultra processed food culture right 66 percent or two-thirds of american calories come from ultra processed foods and so when you go on something like a whole 30 like you mentioned uh, I think really the benefit is, uh, uh, you know, you just eliminate a lot of junk <laughs> that comes from your diet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, anything that, that does that and makes people, you know, feel better within a certain period of time, uh, I, I think can be very positive for folks. They, they uh, kind of joke about, I remember somebody had printed off a calendar for me and when we were going through it and they, like about day day 15, I think you hit the, the phase that they call tiger blood, where like... Um, like all of a sudden you get this crazy energy and clarity that you've never had before. Um, and so like, and I've experienced that with intermittent fasting too, like, like, or, or even just fasting. Like if you do like a, like a two or three day fast, there's like this point where you hit this, this place where you're like, wow, that really stunk up until now. And now all of a sudden I have energy and I don't understand where it's coming from. And it gives you a yeah. strength, you know, that, that, that kind of comes from that place of almost having nothing. I don't even know how, how it makes sense. So, but I love it. I Amazing. Kind of well, I, I think it's uh, incredibly valuable that you share your your journey uh, and you do it with, with such a humor and humility that I think is very valuable to our listeners. Is there any any kind of like final um, last words of wisdom, inspiration, advice that you'd like to to get uh, give folks before we wrap up? Yeah, man. Um, really, beyond uh, beyond everything else. I think the most important thing is is take the time to get people in your life that will hold you accountable, that will call you to hire, that 
you can have fun with. Oh my gosh, that's the one thing about masculinity and manhood. You know, and the concept of a band of brothers that you need is just have some fun, man. Like, like everybody is so serious about everything all the time. Like, um, you know, it's when when I don't know about you, but when when I get together with guys, like we're like lighting up firecrackers and doing crazy things and pulling pranks and telling jokes and, and goofing off and having fun. Like, like you're going to, when we're with my kids, we're telling jokes and laughing and singing songs and being goofy and like have some fun because if you don't like, like I honestly, I think that's, believe it or not, I think that's probably one of the most important yeah. things you can do. I think that you're going to find joy in your life and you have to look for those moments when you can find it and enjoy it have fun with yeah it, you know no that's very valuable advice in fact i was i was telling i work with very serious clients obviously like running companies i i literally i gave someone homework the other day i was like you need to do something that you enjoy because you know you're like a super young ceo that's like taking their life a little too seriously i, I don't think it's true for everyone but that's per- probably what that person needed um and it's it's good to hear even like you know someone someone uh you know who's done so much in your life continuing to say that 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 even in later life um, you know, fun is, is, uh, valuable. I, I call it play. Like, you know, I think, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like you were talking about growing up, right. Like you play in the water, you play in the woods. I don't think that need actually goes away as an adult. I think we repress it, right. Because we think, oh, we're grown up. Adults don't play anymore. I think that the type of play can mature. It could be like shooting guns and doing other things that, that maybe like kids can't do as much. Uh, but we need it, it, whether, no matter what the form is. Um, so I'm actually really glad that you share that, right. Like everyone talks about accountability. Yes, that's important. We have a Discord group. We have 1,200 guys in it in terms of our community. And it's all about accountability, right? Like if you're sick into keto, then there's someone who's like keeping you accountable for for doing that. Um, but I, I think that's why we use memes. Like that's the humor. That's the fun. And right. At least in an online forum, right? right? We can't be lighting off firecrackers online, unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> but I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I, I think that's underappreciated for, for men and and men do really like, I think, um, appreciate humor in, in a very like, you know, special way. And I, I, I think that's also a good, I actually shared that as kind of a tweet the other day. It's very related. I was like, uh, every guy needs someone that they can like, basically like joke with or share memes with, right. You need like one person who you like, yeah. you find something funny, it's mildly inappropriate. Maybe you can't share it publicly or at work. <laughs> But you need, you need right, someone to like right. laugh, be able to laugh and have that inside humor with. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that you have that. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, not obviously both of the work that we're doing, I think promotes that. So on that note, can you, can you tell our, our listeners where they can find you, whether it's your community or your writing or your, or your books? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the best place to start would be if you go to manlyhood.com and we've got a podcast there. And uh, if you go to Amazon, you can find the books that I've got. Uh, you can also get them on mm-hmm. manlyhood as well. Um, and, uh, joshhatcher.com is another site. I need to do a little work on that, but mm-hmm. it's still there. Um, that's kind of my, my personal blog where I've got some more poetry and some of the things like that that I've written. But, um, and, uh, you know, we've got a, a Facebook group online, similar to what yep. you're talking about where some guys can connect. And I like to try to challenge the guys there a little bit every day and, uh, podcast, YouTube channel, all that stuff. You can find all of that if you just go to the website. Perfect. Awesome, Josh. Such a pleasure to have you. Uh, s- such great and rich experiences that you've had in your life um, and your your honesty and humility and authenticity just come across so much. So I think it will be a very, very va- uh, valuable podcast for our listeners and I, I appreciate having you on. Yeah, I appreciate you too, man. You've actually given me a lot of good things to think about too and some very helpful information when it comes to 
uh, the nutrition stuff. I think there's some stuff there I can really learn from. Awesome. So I appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, man.